This is an 18 Maiden Lane production. Hey, just a content warning up at the top here. Uh, we do talk throughout this episode about suicide, drug taking, sexual assault and toxic relationships. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Heavenly Features, a weekly podcast where myself, Sophie and my friend Kim. Hey, how's it going? Talk about films. Uh, this week, it was Kim's turn to recommend a film. So, Kim, what did you recommend this week? Uh, okay, so this week I chose the 2019 film Midsummer, uh, written and directed by Ari Aster and starring Florence Pugh and Jack Rayner. Um, okay, so this film, <laughs> for me, I found it really hard to write this like little synopsis um, because it, this film kind of like crosses a lot of genres and has a lot of different aspects to it and different situations um so yeah i really struggled trying to work out how to sort of briefly summarize but basically we start off with danny who is florence Pugh, uh uh with her suffering this like huge family tragedy um and then out of the guilt and obligation that her boyfriend felt who is christian played by jack renner he invites her to go on a trip uh that he was already planning with his friends to sweden uh for the uh midsummer festival um so when we get to this like beautiful picturesque village that is just like stunning and is going to be like this beautiful little holiday uh things start to feel very off and then thing gets more and more trippy as we go on and more and more horrific so yeah that's i mean that's kind of the film um, so I know, obviously, this is not the sort of film that you would have necessarily chosen to watch, as it's it's no. it's advertised as a horror, and it is horror, along with a lot of other genres. Well, it's two things: it's a horror, and it's two and a half hours, Kim. Oh, that was the other, that was my other point. It was like <laughs> this is much longer than any of your other films that you would ever choose to sit down and watch, because I know you've got the attention span of like a gnat. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no. I, I definitely watch long films. Uh, that's not a problem. I love lots of old school musicals and they are really long. So it's not so much that. It's just like a crisp 90 minutes. I mean, you just can't beat it. <laughs> but that's, I mean, for you, cause, okay, so in my head, I've got, oh, she never watches anything other than 90 minute films because you've said, oh, I love a crisp 90 minutes, which I know you do watch longer films, but in my head, because you've said that, that's all you watch. So I was like, and yet, oh, this is a long one for you. <laughs> yeah, and yet you chose a two and a half hour film. But in all fairness, I don't know how they would have told this story uh, in a shorter way. It's a bit like I watched uh, Drive My Car and you know it's going to be a long film when half an hour into it, the titles start rolling um, and, it, and you realise, shit, it hasn't already. Um, <laughs> and this is a little bit that way uh where it's like oh it needs to be that length because it is covering so much ground yeah absolutely i i think i think it's a great length now there is a director's cut um as well which adds more time um I that's unnecessary i haven't seen the director's cut <laughs> uh, so i don't i don't i can't comment on whether it's necessary or not but yeah i i did feel like this was paced very well yeah i think the pace is important because it kind of makes it seem more realistic that everything seems normal until suddenly it is not anymore like they are fully at this cult for about an hour of the film with not a huge amount of horror situations happening um it's just building that uneasiness that's starting to build people starting to notice things that are perhaps a little bit stranger they're starting to build up that there are certain members of the cults that have taken 
fascinations with certain members of this uh, group of outsiders that have come in. So I can see why it's the pace that it is. And also, don't think it probably needs the. I don't think it probably needs the director's cut. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch the director's cut um, at some oh point God. for sure. Uh, but uh, I agree with you that this it it does do that. Like I think it's just so magically done, and and the fact that it's all in daylight it really puts you into that time frame and into that situation that the the characters are in of this kind of prolonged weird scenario that looks so happy and brilliant and beautiful so you you take time to realize the weirdness of it all i think i think normally like the tropes of a horror movie is that it's dark and things jump out of the shadows and all these things so i think the idea of it being a a lot of these horrible things happening in the daylight is kind of meant to unnerve you a little bit more because surely these horrors wouldn't be so obviously there in in the daytime Uh, if if you go outside uh, in the daytime and you see like something weird uh, like as in not weird weird just like something that's like a weird shape maybe you go up to it if you see something a weird shape at night time you shit yourself like there's yeah. that that added fear of darkness and unknowing that is automatically there whereas the way that they do this in this film where the darkness and unknowing is in daylight in like it you can see everything and it's beautiful and what you would picture as this like glorious surroundings and then there's suddenly like a foot sticking out of a like flower patch it's in daylight but you're like the fuck this is trippy and for me that makes it more creepy i think i think it's meant to kind of also show how brazen and how normal this appears to the cult that it's that they, they haven't got anything to hide other than them being in a remote location they don't have anything to hide in terms of the practices of their f- belief because it's all happening out in the open yeah but we've kind of skipped ahead i think we need to go back to the beginning oh. and talk about the fucking trauma right at the beginning i think this was the most disturbing part of the whole film was um the suicide um and murder of uh, Florence Pugh's parents in this. What's her name? Danny. Danny. Danny's parents yeah. and her sister. Um, oh, isn't it just the most heartbreaking? <laughs> I don't know if I've just seen too many films. Um, and so when they were doing the the credits and it was panning around, I was like, oh, they're dead. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. So I don't know if it's just... I was just going to say, oh, no, I thought the same thing, but also I watch a lot of films. So <laughs> Exactly. I don't know if we're just warped. But I think we're meant to know that because it's even got the like dark, snowy like scene of all the houses and stuff and then the phone ring with it with this like happy music playing underneath it and then the phone like cuts you out of that so i think we're meant to maybe know yeah so danny's sister has bipolar disorder and is obviously been struggling with this um and uh she chooses to take her her own life um and it's for unknown reasons she chooses to take her parents life as well um and the th- i felt like this is the horror because this is what is traditionally happening in at night in the darkness this is the horror that we're meant to be witnessing that plays into more traditional tropes that this happens at night that we have this tension building of um you know Danny being unable to get in contact 
with her family and with her sister after her sister has left her a, a worrying message and that tension the building the distress that she's under that to me felt like more of a traditional horror setup than the rest of the film yeah and i don't know if it was trying to kind of play with that i think i think maybe that's like that's a really good way of looking at it like that's that is the traditional like this dark suspense that is the mm. more traditional sense of a horror um so yeah i think that it's like for me the like the raw emotion of everything that happened around that was so true to life that that made it so horrifying yeah. like everything around that like you can put yourself in so easily because it's something that you can imagine happens to yourself yeah and like i like for me personally i um i've lived with someone who has who's been suicidal and has said that they were gonna like die by suicide and it has haven't followed through which is a totally valid thing to say but after a while of hearing it you you if you do share that with anyone else, they do have a, a tendency or people do have a tendency to be like, oh, it's just a cry for help. It's not real. Like, why are you still doing this? And I find I find the whole scenario with the boyfriend and the boyfriend's friends being like, oh, look, you know, this is nothing. This is they're, they're just crying out for help. Like they're, they're manipulating you to be so true to life. Like because I've had that situation myself where where people have have said to me oh like oh they're just manipulating you or whatever and then something bad does happen but you feel like you can't then rely on the people who are like oh they're just manipulating you because you feel like a burden yeah. to them i mean christian's friends are fucking assholes they're all douchebags they are awful like even the ones that are kind of meant to be nice are not good people no. like i i understand um being concerned for your friend um i can understand if you, if your friend feels like they no longer want to be in that relationship but can't get out of it but i mean even after like they know what has happened to this girl to this woman and they the way they act is like give the girl a fucking break like the worst thing imaginable has just happened to her and you're being an asshole and or or you're being awkward around her yeah. and not really communicating with her and i know that it's a difficult thing when it's like the elephant in the room but you don't really want to talk about it but fucking hell they don't even give her a hug and i'm just like jesus this is too much oh it was so hard to watch her eating her own emotions like bottling yeah. them down to accommodate these douchebags exactly i mean i think this is set up purposefully because i think maybe that's why this uh so they've they've befriended this uh swedish man who is um, a member of this cult and he's going to take them back to his midsummer so it's like it, it's this sort of he's just like oh come and see this this festivity that we do once every 90 years or whatever which i would totally be like hell yeah i'm totally coming to see this exactly. this is amazing especially when at least two of them are anthropologists exactly uh one more so than the other um we'll talk about that and <laughs> yes we will what a <laughs> douche and so I could see why he would pick those guys as well because he probably thought they're fucking assholes. They deserve whatever comes to them. Um, yeah. So maybe that's why he chose them. I don't know. And then I feel bad that uh, she comes along with them too. So basically, he has decided to do this trip, has not told her about it, and then because he's um, a dick. 
Yeah, and that she finds out when they're talking about it in front of her. So fucking hell. I mean, seriously, dude, why are you lying about Sweden? Um, but then also doesn't even, sh- like, he doesn't even apologize. And she even says, because he's like, I apologized. And she's like, no, you said I'm sorry. Like, which, like, the, the yeah. whole, that whole scene, I think, is just so beautifully played and so true to life. And also, yeah. like, it shows the gaslighting from him and it shows her Ooh, yeah. her breaking down, like him slowly breaking her down and her being like, oh, I'm I'm the problem. Okay, well, I, no, I'm sorry. I've done this. And it shows that the whole film. Yes. Florence Pugh's character, Danny, sucks this, all of her feelings in and tries so hard to hide them because she's been told by everyone not to show them. Like her boyfriend is literally gaslighting her and all of his friends are telling him that she's this issue because she's so dramatic. So she's holding all of her feelings in throughout this whole film. And I think that her her performance of those sections where you see all of this emotion in this understated way is just phenomenal. Like I think I think that um, the clear thing that is the problem with their relationship is a lack of communication, mainly mainly coming from his side. He can't express to her that he wants to get out of a relationship. He also, but he also um, kind of seems to pressure her into hiding things that are maybe unpalatable in um, their fr- around their friends or in their relationship. Not talking about maybe the issues with her family as much or all these. Like he never really seems to sit down and and, and be there for her. Um, in the wake of this tragedy, he just begrudgingly allows her to come on this trip. And even if you don't want to be in a relationship with somebody, you don't, even if you don't want that, that doesn't mean you don't sit down and be like, oh my God, fuck, I'm so sorry. And be there for them. Even if you don't want that kind of relationship, you be there in that moment. I mean, fucking hell, what an ass. Yeah, like he, he never does it. He holds her while she's crying that night. And then the next scene, which by the way, can I just say about that crying scene? The raw emotion coming out of Florence Pugh in that Ooh, crying scene. Oh, she's not scene. afraid. Holy. She's not afraid to ugly cry. Shit. She's incredible. Like. Yeah. Oh, that the guttural scream crying. Like, oh my God, it got me so emotional. I like I was right there with she's incredible. The the fact that she was not nominated for this film because it's genre. It's so fucking ridiculous. She's so deserved. She's incredible. But only only recently have they started nominating at the Academy Awards like horror films and things. It didn't really do that. But she deserved this. Like it was a rare performance that did. My God, she deserved this. Like she was incredible. Florence Florence Pugh is not afraid to look ugly on screen um to express that kind of raw emotion and she she does that particularly at the beginning and i think that makes it more powerful when you know kind of spoiler alert towards the end she doesn't react in the same way she actually becomes kind of numb yeah as she leans into either acceptance or insanity depending on how you read into it um and but that's but that the the, the fact that it contrasts so well and it really does it like the throughout the film it does but with with her in that moment and he sat there quietly holding her that could be such a beautiful couple moment 
in a horrible mm. setting but being there for your partner silently sometimes is the best thing you can do but yeah. then the next scene cuts to him sneaking in and trying to get out to a party like he's only there out of obligation he's not there out of love or empathy or caring or, or any of these normal human emotions he does not want to be there he's out of there he, he's there from an obligation point kind of but she's not forcing him to be and yeah. he's he's like oh i thought i might just go to this party like sorry your mum and dad and sister are dead but also like priorities do you need to go to this party mate seriously which i seriously. like i get if you're if you're with someone who is going through a lot of mental issues i understand needing a break but she's yeah, not but she's seems like... that's not the situation here the situation here no. is that she's dealing with family trauma like her sister was severely depressed and had bipolar and whatever else was going on there. And she needed someone to talk to. And he was not there. He was meant to be the one that was there. And he was not. And then he just consistently let her down. I mean, I've literally just written down. I mean, I know it's like her, the actor and not, or not the... Um... Uh, the character but I've literally just written down Florence Pugh deserves better at this moment <laughs> because yes seriously honestly and I like Danny deserves better and Florence for sure deserves better but, <laughs> but it's true like he's such a douche like yeah there's just no empathy no emotions there all he wants is whatever he wants like even to the point future like point in the film here he doesn't know what he's going to do about his um paper or whatever it is that they're writing clearly you can tell i dropped out of school because i don't know what they're called um but he so he steals thesis his thesis thank you so he steals someone else's idea so I wanted to talk about this because I did wonder, I mean, we're skipping ahead a little bit and I do want to come back to the other point in the, in the film. But I did want to say, like, is the movie making a statement about how white people steal opportunities from BIPOC people? Because I got that vibe. Like, it does have these racial undertones throughout the whole film. Yeah. Where it's like a very is... white village. It does seem to be that the, the BIPOC characters are not seen as much for their humanity as other characters perhaps even when the other characters lack certain uh qualities of, of humanity that we would like to see in people like being a nice person um uh, like josh is not a bad person at all um and i mean he does fuck he up gets, he makes a mistake he tries to steal some information that's, essentially, a, that's and... a big mistake it is, but it's not the same as gaslighting someone, stealing somebody else's work, being a fucking douche the entire time. Like, other people are allowed to make more mistakes. Oh. He makes one mistake and he's, like, got rid of, and on top of that, is kind of discarded. Yes. And not even seen to have any kind of importance. Or no, no, one, no one really even looks for him, like... Yeah, and also obviously like the kind of, you could look into kind of like the white supremacist or just like the kind of white preference in terms of treatment in the sense that none of the BIPOC characters are kind of uh, leered into being um, f flesh, uh, fresh blood for mating in any Well, exactly. If you look, so they bring outsiders in to mate so that there's not just incestuous bloodlines as much as they want to keep it pure, the bloodline. Uh, they bring mm. outsiders in to help mate and help re reproduce. Um, 
But every single person they bring in that does that is like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed yeah, white person. Pretty much. Um. So the like obviously, again, which is probably why I can't remember his name, but a uh, Swedish guy that's mates with them uh, brings Florence Pugh. Well, or yeah, brings Danny because she's blonde hair and yeah, she's she the kind perfect. Of fits in. She's the perfect person to indoctrinate into this. Because not only and she she's she... revered in the sense that she becomes the May Queen or whatever, which I highly suspect was rigged. I mean, I don't know what you're saying there. She just deserved it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, um... absolutely. And it's 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 one of these things where it's like, obviously, we're two white people talking about the race behind this. Yeah, we can like... only see it on like the the maybe um, surface level. Yes. Um, because we don't necessarily have experiences that might inform um, understanding or readings into this film. I, just... I would like to hear more opinions from people of colour, people who might see this film in a different way than I would. I would love to hear more Me too. about that's, their experiences that's, watching it. That's one of the things I love the most about this film is the the different outcomes people have with it. Like the different experiences yeah. everyone has coming out of this film. Um, and obviously we'll get to it at the end, but... It it does have it does have such a different feeling in this film at different points, uh, and I think that that so many people have come out of this having completely different experiences, and I think that's fascinating from a film. Because I certainly so we're going back to kind of where we started to diverge into other topics. Um, Wait, we went like, off on a tangent. What are you talking about? I know, right? <laughs> uh, we skipped. Skip to the middle, and then we're back to the beginning again. Um, but I certainly got that scene where she walks into the bathroom. It then turns into the air, um, airplane bathroom, oh. and she does a silent scream away from everybody just to kind of get something out. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of traumatic silent scream cry I wrote down. <laughs> yes. Um, I felt that so hard. I felt that because I think my. So many people at different points of their lives, whether it they this has happened multiple times to them or just once, have had that moment where they have to remove themselves to from everybody else to have some release of emotion, yeah, um, or to just kind of get it out of them. And I also felt it commented a lot on their relationship that she also, I mean, I know she was in a public space, but she couldn't, but, do that but in she front has, of him. Her, she's been holding it in, yeah, perhaps. So that, you know, and she often has to go for these walks to get away. And he doesn't come with her a lot of the time. She just goes off and he carries on. Again, showing that he's a fucking asshole. I, I get like sometimes you need time to yourself, but you let someone walk off, cry for a bit. You walk a, a slowly a few paces behind, give them a moment and then check in on them. But <laughs> like, even, even if they d- don't want you there, you offer to be there in a genuine way. Like not just oh should I should I not take this drug because you know I know all my friends are pressurizing you into doing it but no 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 I won't as much as I'd love to be on the trip with them I won't no it's fine it's such bullshit I'm not a hugger and even I'm like God God just give him a fucking give her a fucking hug <laughs> seriously like she needs it in this moment he's just a fucking asshole but also about that scene with the drugs like they start with the drugs pretty early on 
um, as soon as they turn up to the commune. Do you think that is uh, just because they're all like, hey, cool, we just do drugs? Or do you think it's um, that the, the I'm, I don't know the name of the cult, so I'm just going to say the Swedish guys <laughs> were trying to disarm them as oh, soon as yeah. they go in. I totally took that as it taking away from your control over your body and your mind. Because there's multiple times later in the, in the film where they are not told the truth about what they're taking what they're what they're ingesting and they have these forced trips yeah exactly and you're you're immediately thrown in uh, as the characters that we're following which is mainly danny you're immediately thrown into this scenario of oh i you know this looks like a fun happy thing and oh there's no pressure to take it and then later on it's like oh there's no pressure but you know it's it's a cultural ritual of ours and like mm. it's it's very much sort of of course you're not actually forced to take it but you you feel like you should plus from the beginning you have taken it so you're already in that sort of warped mind space it's it's very much in my opinion very much immediately a control thing immediately a taking away your own brain and your own thought system and well later it very much becomes uh, a way of controlling because towards the end of the film characters do things uh, either joyfully or kind of uh, in in ways that are kind of betrayals to other characters because of the influence of them being under these drugs you know ha having taken these ingested these drugs um, and they're you could ask, argue that their autonomy is taken away from them in that moment. Um, I think that's some, what, something this film does so well. It's fascinating to show at what, how much of your autonomy is taken away and how much of your free will is taken away. Because I think they do it in such a way that it still does open up the question of how much of it is you and how much of it is not. Because I've seen... Well, how how culpable is christian for his behavior at the end of the film because just because he's been clearly making choices to be a bad person or a horrible person to both his friends and his girlfriend throughout the rest of the film does that mean the actions that he takes when he's under the influence of some substance is he actually responsible for that or not so and it's responsible exactly and what's worse is it his intended betrayal acts of betrayal or is it when he uh, betrays under you know the influence of these drugs well this is the thing because obviously danny doesn't know what you're talking about is the the yeah. part where christian is kind of drugged into making a baby with someone he's well he's drugged he's like given this drink which he because he's in a bit of a weird space he just downs it essentially and then he's clearly having a horrible trip and then he's lured into this situation where he ends up having sex in a strange ritual. Uh, I don't want to make judgments, but it is an odd thing to have all of the women uh, naked, chanting and moaning. The butt thrust um, I personally loved. The, the, and, the pushing. Well, that also, like how, obviously he is participating in that act, but he's also literally being pushed into that so act. Okay, so there's, there's, there's a few thoughts around this, for me anyway. Because I, I very much debated this scene in my head numerous times. Now, for Danny, I think she's totally off the hook for any of it. Because whether or not you do think that this is sexual assault or not, Danny doesn't know any of the, the history. She looks through that keyhole and she just sees 
her boyfriend having sex in this ritual and that's that's all she sees so danny doesn't know any of the rest of it so danny in my opinion is off the hook for thinking the worst um yes so obviously you've got the the whole if you just purely looked at it from the point of view of christian took substances and was not in control and then they forced him into this ritual that's rape yes but if you then also add in the point where they were all sat on the grass earlier and the the girl who kicked him who was flirting with him and he got up and danced with them and then he kept he, he kept going after this girl as well while Danny is sat there. And he also excuses that girl's inappropriate behaviour like putting her pubic hair in his pie and <laughs> things like that. He doesn't act shocked or repulsed or, or, or call her out because he's somewhat... I think likes the attention. And then when he did, he did go in to talk <laughs> about the the wanting to mate. He never, yes, he never did go. Oh my god, what the fuck is this? No. But then also, consent doesn't just go around the word no. So I think it's a very like interesting topic any... to talk around because it it's one of those things where it's like, well, was it sexual assault or was I it? I think him it is because I think. In? I think in any situation where somebody is intoxicated, particularly when one person is intoxicated and the other is not, um, and I think the fact that he has to be, shall we say, encouraged into the situation at certain times, um, I think that I think the fact that he was not in control of what was happening, I think that is sexual assault, personally. I think that um, the fact that he had already been flirting with this girl a little bit beforehand does make it more understandable why Danny is not she's shocked by what what she sees but she believes that it could be consensual this I agree 100% with what you just said so for me I see this as sexual assault I don't see this as as a consensual everyone's in their right mind like thing like, I don't see it as just uh, him deciding to go and make a baby with a woman. That's not what this He is. didn't just cop off with her. No. He's under the influence of something. And he has to be encouraged in many circumstances to complete. But, yes, exactly. <laughs> but I can see why Danny, who doesn't know any of the backstory, she purely knows what she's seen. I think, though, that this is the one of the tipping points for her. She's got, like, this kind of stacked upon... Um, a trauma. Well, you can all um, you can only hold up so much. Exactly, because like we haven't even talked about some of the things that they witnessed. Because it's not just what happens with her sister, and just imagine also the toll that having um, a, a, a mentally unstable sister might have on you over years. So this is not just we're coming in fresh and this has happened. This is potentially already something that has caused her a lot of, you know stress and we 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 know because they show that very early on where where she after she's phoned christian she phones a friend and the friend says to her like no don't feel bad about the fact that you're leaning on christian that's what he's there for like he's your partner they've been together four years it's not like some like it's not like you just met someone on tinder and then went oh by the way here's all my my emotional baggage They've been together four years yeah. and he is not ever there to help her. And as they say, does he? Does it feel like he holds you? Because fuck no, it doesn't. Yeah. He's a terrible boyfriend. And then on top of that, they arrive 
to this, you know, her, her obviously this horrible tragedy happens. Her boyfriend betrays her by not telling her about the trip to Sweden, yep. which she then goes to on. Then as soon as they arrive, um, he kind of guilts her into taking a substance when she's not ready to do so. Yep. Not just him, though. He allows all of his friends to also guilt trip her in. They walk into what looks like a big Mayfair kind of um celebration and first of all i do not trust people that wear white all white <laughs> just if I'd, so i'm already when i'm seeing this i know it's a very culty thing which might also be part of it but just generally i just think you're always going to get your clothes dirty i don't trust people that wear all white even when i see them around the streets of london or something i'm not trusting it <laughs> um so i'm already on edge and i'm sure she was as well i'm sure danny feels the same way um and then they witness one of the first uh ceremonies they witness is the suicide of these two elders who, when they're 72, um, kill themselves um, as a way of, it's, it's believed to be as a way of uh, preserving your dignity and also releasing the burden of others to care for which, you. Which makes sense in theory. Like it makes yeah. sense that you are, you are dying to permit new life. You are, yeah. you have lived your life and that's it. You go on. So, so I can understand why everyone involved in, in the ceremony and why maybe like Danny was like, all right, okay. I can kind of get on board with this to a point. I think it's, it's more that you can understand how somebody might see this as part of their faith. Yes. Because logically it makes sense. Exactly. Emotionally witnessing that. Because it's not done in a way where it's like, oh, they just drank some poison and with it. We shut that away and we can't see that, but we know they've done it. You you witness it's... this event that, like, I can't imagine being, if standing, like, I, I've seen, obviously, I've seen the, the aftermath pictures of people jumping from buildings or I've seen, like... What it, whatever it is from because well, you love true crime well yes and also because i think because of when we grew up i think that that was a lot of the like i remember hearing yes. stories of of people doing that or like people we like knew tangibly did that as parkour events as opposed to like actually jumping to their death oh you're right yes yeah. but i was gonna say also we we grew up in a time when obviously we were it just started secondary school around that time when 9-11 happened and you had those powerful images of people leaping to their deaths. Exactly. So that is something that, like, culturally you do sometimes see. Yes. But to see it in person is still shocking, even in a film. Well, exactly. To watch somebody do that. Normally suicide is behind closed doors or it's not in front of other people. Um, and I think for Danny to witness that as well, and it's a very violent death, they jump from a cliff. Uh, one of whom, and I mentioned this to you earlier, is um, <laughs> Bjorn Andresen, who I was not expecting to uh, see what happened. No, to you him you were very much picturing like some eyeliner and a sailor suit, and then <laughs> yeah, so he's like famously the like beautiful boy from um, Death in Venice, and he's stunning in it, um, very angelic looking. And so in my mind, that is who what he looks like now, even though I know it's like fifty years later. Shush. Um, <laughs> But we're not saying you're oh stuck in the God. past. But I w no, but I would not expect to see someone like four people come at him with a wooden mallet and crush his skull. Well, this is uh, it. It, it was such a shocking event seeing the woman jump off. But 
like if I was to jump off something, that's the way I would be like, okay, that's it, done. But then to see him land and his legs crumple and then yeah. him still be alive and in pain. And yeah. then that ritual of taking turns smashing his head in. And it must have happened before because they had the massive mallet. Which, if you look at the mallet, ready to go. it was clearly used. It's not like a brand new mallet. Like, it had mm. it had use <laughs> uh, on it. Yeah. So, which, and I get it. I get that, like, I mean, that's kind of the argument of assisted suicide, in a sense. Because well, I was going to, I was going to bring up, do you think that the director is trying to have a conversation here? Because... Florence Pugh's parents seem to be on the older side. Yes. And I don't know the reason. We don't find out the reason why her sister chose to take their life. But is he trying to have some conversation about, you know, whether or not assisted suicide or dying before you get to a certain age or a certain period of your life, whether that is meant to be a good thing or a bad thing because i wondered they had two older two older essentially couples i mean i know they're not a couple the 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 people from the cult but they are two there's an older man and an older woman and it's her parents are a, a heterosexual couple so is it meant to be like some kind of mirroring here one who didn't have a choice in their lives being taken and the others who actively give their lives as they see it um when they get to a certain age is is the director meant to be trying to have some kind of conversation here or am i reading too much into it which i am prone to doing see okay (laughs) i from all of the now you know what i do whenever i watch a film i deep dive or if whenever i watch a film i enjoy i deep dive into like interviews and stuff behind it um like my one of my favorite things is to watch like interviews with directors or cast members about the film um and i haven't heard and i did this with this film obviously a while ago when i saw it and recently um i haven't heard him say anything about whether or that was meant to be a thing but from my own personal take on it like it seems like it is. Like it seems like that can't be a coincidence. Like when I was I watching it, I it that stuck out to me. I think like it can't be a coincidence, and I don't know if he has an answer to what he's putting out there. But the correlation of those things being juxtaposed, and then of course the reaction that Danny, of course, has to that yeah. because this is. I mean, she even has a dream later where um, she imagines at the bottom of the rock her parents and her sister. Yeah. You know, there's clearly meant to be this kind of connection there. But I don't know if it's meant to be a bigger question that he's putting out there or whether it's just meant to be that it reminds her or re-traumatizes her for what she's just experienced. That, yeah, and I... Personally. He, he has this... Uh, like, one thing I like about his films is he... All the crushed heads? <laughs> Firstly, yes. He loves the crushed heads. Oh, who it's doesn't fucking as well. love a crushed head? <laughs> Absolutely on board with you there, Aaron. <laughs> um, no, but like, he puts so much imaging into his films so it's so premeditated and pre-thought out yeah like you look at the tapestries or the walls in this film and it tells the the whole world it tell but it tells the story when 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 christian sat 
waiting to be told about him his mating ritual he is he's yeah. staring at an image of a bear and it, like there's so much messaging and so much intent behind everything that is in this film that i find it hard to believe that there's not intent behind the older couples mm. being killed in in whatever way whether it be suicide or assisted suicide whatever it is I find it hard that there's not an intention behind that because everything is so thought out in his films. I don't know whether his intention, though, was to talk about assisted suicide or an end of life or whether it was something else. But I think assisted suicide is such a, a such a... It's a conversation we should be having way more. Yeah, I think it's... I don't know. I just... I couldn't, like, not make that correlation because, of course... It's it is is made obvious that there is meant to be a correlation. I just don't know if the bigger question is meant to be happening as well. But I do love that. Of course, it was a bloody British guy that's going. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> and having a big because that is such a British thing. I was like, of course. What the fuck is this? <laughs> no, it's this so is true. Fucked up. <laughs> That's so true. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. this sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've heard this before. <laughs> yeah, literally every time I get on a tube. <laughs> Yeah, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, no, that is that is a very accurate representation of <laughs> British life. <laughs> One thing that I found uh, throughout this film is so obviously it's it's like the world's worst breakup. Like Yes. It goes from you just you basically follow a toxic relationship from the point where it should have ended or I mean it probably should have ended before we joined but it definitely should have ended when we joined through to the throughout this film we follow this toxic relationship to the point where it does end which is obviously in him burning up in a bear suit um and I find it fascinating that this whole film is basically a breakup film with all of these yes. extra layers added Oh, I think Ariasta needs therapy. Oh, I think he's in therapy. He would not have been able to write this without <laughs> therapy, surely. Mm, I think he's had some bad experiences in relationships that it's being vented through his films. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you a question about this. And I want your I just want your genuine, honest answer. Did you think that this film had a happy ending or not? I think that regardless of what Christian's done, I think it's fucked up to feel joy at his death in the way that it happens, especially when he is alive and going to be burned alive and he has no way of escaping that because of the uh, the way that he's both mentally and physically been kind of trapped in a certain way. So I think to get any kind of like schadenfreude from this is not really appropriate however did i laugh at him in the bear suit yes i did so <laughs> uh i don't i think it's kind of a weird film where at the end this woman who has been through so much trauma both in her relationship through her family everything she's experienced at this cult um she's gone through so much she kind of takes control she gets control back at the end yep. in terms of her relationship she decides the fate essentially of that relationship mm -hmm. but she also it could be argued loses control of her mind afterwards it's just too much to cope with so 
the whether I don't know whether because her, her smile at the end is that meant to be her going into insanity because she has been through so much that she can't cope anymore, or is she smiling through joy that she's finally taking control, that she's finally in a position of power which she has probably never had because she's always probably had to um, look after others and 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 kind of probably been either mistreated or neglected or whatever it is because other people had needs that need to be taken care of um, or that she couldn't fight for her own needs to be taken care of. And by the end of the film, instead of being the one in the fucking bear suit, she is the May Queen. She is in this position of supposed power or relevance in this cult she is already desirable as a blight a blonde white woman um to be part of this cult um and she is able to take control over the situation with her relationship is that a smile of joy or a smile of insanity at the end this is so th- this is what i found fascinating about this film so the first time i watched it i remember really thinking about it afterwards and really being like like yes i want florence to be happy but is it that i want danny to be happy or is it just that you know florence is amazing um so i was like really watching it like oh this is great you know danny seems happy like is this a happy ending or not because you know after the credits roll if this was reality danny is then going to be used to like she's not getting out of there she's witnessed too much she's not getting out of that cult but does she want to but this is i mean that's the thing does she have anything to go home to or is she no. is she happier to remain in this cult where she reproduces and creates the next maybe may queen or whatever like creates the well, next generation she... and then she carries on until she's 72 and jumps off the cliff herself or is burnt alive I herself or is this the same as any other cult that love bombs you so it gives you everything you think you need in mm. that moment to indoctrinate you into this not a good place like i don't know about you but cults aren't exactly top of my list to things to join um no but i could see you accidentally falling into one. Oh my god if someone told me like <laughs> come with me i would skip along next to them and be like sure you want me to take shrooms absolutely you want me to set fire to a bear no worries not if it was a real bear only if it was a man in a bear costume if it was a real bear i couldn't do it um like i would totally get sucked into this cult thing love bombing would work on me i have yes, i have no doubt in that i know it would like i am emotionally insecure I am a broken human and I have a lot of insecurities. If you love bomb me, of course it would. Now, don't get me wrong. I also have social anxiety. So if I am crying over something, I don't want a load of people to hold hold me and cry with me in that moment. Yeah. I also can't imagine you wanting to wear a white frock. No. No, thank you. No. <laughs> Although the flower snail that she, you know, when she's walking along at the end in that flower suit. Yes. That I think of as a flower snail. She could totally see me in that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a massive snood kind of thing over her, isn't it? Yeah, and then all Just of them like are alive because I'm her. high on mushrooms. Yes, please. Thank you. Oh, one question. This is, I, I think this is meant to be because they're like on a trip or whatever. 
But you know when they're at that final banquet mm-hmm. and they there's the things on the table and it looks like they're moving. Yeah, so if you... Is that big... Throughout the whole film, there's things moving. Like if you look in the background, there's like the trees moving. So the whole film kind of feels like a mushroom trip anyway. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if you have done mushrooms or not. I was like... trying to work out for the longest time if it was like an actual like human or something at one point. I was like, what the fuck is this? But it's, <laughs> no, I, don't like, think, I don't think it is. There's like, like all the flowers in her suit at the end are alive. Like they're moving. Like right. it's these subtle things that feel... Attention to detail. Putting these weird fucking things on screen that people might miss mm. and yet spending yes. so much time thinking about them and doing them i think that's brilliant like the 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 trees moving or the background moving as you're watching the main characters that you might miss but you might not and it it does just feel so trippy to me like it it feels like you're on shrooms the whole time and i think that's such a great way of of showing this story is where it's not all quite right like obviously the beginning like he does it with the beginning is this like dark tones like everything is dark nothing is bright nothing is vibrant everything's dark and they talk to each other through mirrors or not they're not really connected at all at the beginning of the film and it's dark and snowy and cold and there's cold tones in the in the uh, cinematography like everything's cold and then as soon as you get to this other place it's like this magical mystical flower world where everything is bright but the background's moving a little bit so it's not quite real yeah and yet the weird thing i found and i found i didn't realize that he'd done hereditary until after the film when i looked up who he was mm-hmm. the director um i didn't find hereditary or midsummer um <laughs> particularly scary See, I found, for me, like, I love a lot of horror films. Like, you know, you know. Um, And I love the slasher horrors. I love the, like, stereotypical, there's a person running after you. Or, no, there's a person walking after you who somehow catches up with you faster. Because the slower they go, the quicker they're behind you. I love that shit. But I also love the, like, psychological like fucks with your head horror which is what i think this is it's very much a a cross genre mismatch of what modern horror i think is trying to do more like if you look at like get out or us this hereditary like it's it's this psychological warping of your mind that i think we go through on a daily basis but don't think about yeah, I would say, like, plot-wise, this is closest... Well, maybe not plot-wise, just in the sense that it's to do with a cult on an island or in a remote area. This reminds me the most of, like, something like The Wicker Man. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Which also ends in uh, human sacrifice in a burning pile uh, of flames. <laughs> um, I found... I find that creepier than I found this film. I found the most traumatic or scary thing about this film was the imagery of the suicides at the beginning. I agree that that is, for me as well, the most, like, jarring moment. But I also think that this is very much told in a... And this is weird, from a male director and a male writer. But I think this is very much a story told more from a female point of view. 
in the well so was the first so was hereditary well yes absolutely but like in the sense the wicker man is very much the male go in slash everything up like type like thing whereas this is slowly kind of indoctrinating you into which is why cults in real life have more female members because it preys on those female insecurities that we have been sure. taught to feel our entire I lives. I don't think... So when I said it's like The Wicker Man, I didn't mean like the whole film. I think there's a lot that's different about it. I was just saying more that uh, in terms of some similar plot aspects, it's probably the most similar from my niche, and well, not niche, my very small repertoire of horror films that I have actually sat down and watched. So... I think it's I think it's doing more than that. I think it is taking a different approach and it's looking at it from more of an emotional um point of view and it's certainly looking at how uh like issues in society and issues in in our in people's personal lives and to do with mental health that and that's kind of stuff he that the director I think is is trying to talk about which is as far as my memory serves, is not so much an issue or a conversation in The Wicker Man. So he's doing more things in this film, but I just haven't seen that many films about cults. No. And about horror films. I, I've i seen, actually, I think I've seen less fictionalised traits of cults than I have, or portrayals of cults, than I have listened to or read about or seen real real cults um and i think that this hits the nail on the head in the the way it does prey on people and the way that cults do suck you in so like if you look at it they immediately like from the beginning everyone else is like oh you know welcome welcome they say to danny welcome home and they prey on her insecurities and they prey on her like everything else that's been going on so she's never been held properly she's never been looked after she's never been felt like she's never had a community or a family really that has held her so tightly and experienced her her grieving her loss her her emotions and so they love bomb her which which is love bombing is like a a a thing that's used by cults to make you feel welcome, to make you feel safe and secure within that community when you're not in reality. But that she's not the only person that is lured in because I think that Josh is lured in by his curiosity because he's the one who's doing this thesis on cults or on um, like pagan festivals or whatever it is that he's doing. Um, and then Mark, we haven't really talked about Mark, um, but Mark is uh, lured in by his dick, basically. He thinks there's going to be a lot of hot chicks there. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Christian is lured in, I think, uh, what would you say he's lured in by? I think he is at a stalemate in his life where he feels like he's a bit stuck. And so he, because he doesn't know what yeah. he wants to do his thesis about, he keeps saying he Can't doesn't get out want to be with Danny, but then also feels a bit sucked in with Danny or feels a bit uh, obligated. I don't know why he uh, keeps doing this whole, I don't want to be with Danny, but then is with Danny thing. I'm not quite sure of that because we didn't get a huge backstory with them. Um, yeah. 
but whatever his reasons is he doesn't want to be in that relationship so i think he feels very stuck and very at a stalemate there in his life so i think he but therefore quite will open up his world to whatever so he's yeah he's very susceptible that's true so he's he's lured in then by like the opportunity of seeing something new that might inspire him so they're all lured in in different ways. Which is why and... I think this film would be so... I, I I love this story in the sense that... Like, imagine this story from anyone else other than... Like, obviously, Danny's our pro- protagonist. But if you see it as from any other point of view, it is way more of a horror film. Like, if you see it yes. from any of the other main characters' point of view, it's way more of a horror film. And yet we see it through Danny's eyes where she survives at the end and she has this in purely in the time space of the film. She has this kind of journey where she at the end feels whether it be true or not. She has this like euphoric ending where she finally feels free and like comforted and like she's got family and community around her. And that she's gotten rid of all the toxicity in her life, like her boyfriend. Um, And she can finally grieve the way she needs to grieve and be held the way she needs to be held. So she's got all these feelings from this cult. And yet if we watch it from any other point of view, their people are literally being hunted. So it's it's more of a horror film, in a sense, from the side characters. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't find it scary. <laughs> well, this is the thing. This is. I think this film is is very much cross genre. Like, if you're looking for a jump scare, this is not your film. But if you want to be emotionally annihilated, potentially this is your film. Yeah, I just. I guess my issue is that I don't. I didn't find it scary. I found it to be more of a drama in some ways than a, than a horror film. I see. I left it feeling emotional very emotional but also really yeah absolutely like it's oh god i I didn't get any emotion from this film whatsoever really the only thing that i was shocked by was the beginning of the imagery of the sister who had taped a tube into her mouth i found that was horrifying the rest of it i was not i didn't have any kind of guttural emotional reaction to oh that's so weird that we had such different reactions to it i love this so for me i followed this film as like a a grief ridden breakup film where you are at your most vulnerable and you are susceptible so much to anything that this cult can suck you in just by showing you basic love and that you end up there can I ask you a question? Of course. Do you think this is more horrifying for you because you feel that you might be more susceptible to being taken in by a cult? I think... Okay. I think... Yes, I, in fairness, if you lined all of us up and said who's the least likely to be taken in by a cult, I would say it's you. Like, if you lined up uh, all yeah. of the <laughs> friends that I have, you would be the last person I would think would be taken in by a cult. Because Cause I won't wear all white. Well, no, not even that. But like, <laughs> I don't like camping. You, <laughs> that's my main reason. No, because yeah. you, you've always been very, like, not susceptible to 
outside influence as much, even as a teenager. And I think we've had conversations in the past where we had somebody in our lives who, if I didn't want to do something, I would just say no. Yeah. And if you found it harder to say no in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think you would be the least susceptible, which is one of the reasons I chose this film, because I really wanted to get your opinion on this like cult thing because i knew it was something you wouldn't have seen and i i was like oh this is going to be fascinating to see the different takes on this story like regardless of the like filmmaking side of it which by the way cinematography beautiful but regardless of of that just the 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 base story itself i was really fascinated to see the different takes we had on it because i know we're such different people and we have very different temperaments yeah absolutely and i think that maybe it was scarier for me because i could see myself being sucked in but also you also i think you also have more experiences in relationships than i do yeah so maybe that leans more into your kind of uh approach to watching this film than than for me oh well because I, I i don't want relationships so i don't experience maybe some of the things that danny might experience this is i think this is the other thing where like so i'm watching this as someone who has been through a who has been through like not only toxic relationships but also situations where people don't understand that people you love are maybe suicidal or you have to be there through certain things where outside seems like just such a dramatic situation but when you're in the inside of it you're like but this genuinely could end up like Danny's family so I'm watching it very much from a a realist point of view like her, the whole beginning of this or film, just you have more of a personal attachment to the conversations that are being have, had in the film yeah that's what i mean that's what i mean by it i don't i don't mean like like yeah i mean i i have such a personal attachment to to the whole especially the beginning of this film that's the thing i found the most shocking and disturbing and scary was was those images because i thought they were incredibly realistic um, and could could happen to like the best of us. We could have people in our lives who who do things like that, you know. Oh yeah, like suicide for me is something that is like an everyday thing. Where like I've lived through people trying to die by suicide. I've lived through myself being suicidal. Like it's it's such a real thing that is there every day that i i thought this film depicted so well the surrounding around it like not just the the couple of people that are involved in the core sense of it but the surroundings around it where there's people being like they're just being dramatic i found so realistic and i so i and then when you get to the bits that are trippy so that whole you also have more experience with drugs than i do exactly so i'm like (laughs) oh yeah this is realistic as fuck like (laughs) and then i go from that to being like oh yeah i don't really know how to say no and i don't want to seem impolite so yeah i'd put an apron on and help make the pies yeah i would dance around if they asked me to and feel really uncomfortable i think i think this film plays much more into your own vulnerabilities than it does mine I think that's why you maybe responded to it. 
I wanted to ask you how you felt about uh, one of the casting choices because I mentioned earlier that I was a little disappointed in one of the casting choices and uh, that was the uh, casting of Ruben, the Oracle, mm-hmm. yes, who I believe was um, a child actor wearing prosthetics. Yes. And I felt like that was one of the only things that the film kind of did a disservice to its own message um, because it has this conversation about how um, this this person with a facial disfigurement um, is who is a central character, who is a oracle for this whole commune, for this whole community, um, and how they are valued for having this uh, different perspective of the world, mm-hmm. um, and how that is not something that normal in like general society we value as much as we should. And so I felt like it was such a powerful message to say that, oh no, we actually revere this person who has this different experience to us, who sees the world in a different way that we do, when in this world we sometimes, uh, unfortunately, people with disabilities are viewed um, in either a negative light or they are uh, their values, uh, sorry, their contributions to society are not valued. Um, I felt it did a disservice, therefore, to not cast somebody who had the disabilities that they wanted to show on screen. Uh, I, How did you feel about that? Yeah, I, I agree completely. Like, putting prosthetic on someone to make them appear as disabled to then use them as an inspiration which plays into all of these different issues that are going on constantly like inspiration porn of like disabled people is ridiculous like as soon as you do something as a disabled person you're inspiring and it's like bitch i'm not trying to be inspiring i'm just trying to like walk down the road but also like the fact that they cast a non-disabled actor to play this role like it's disappointing it's so disappointing it's so disappointing and it's so true to life to all hollywood films um yeah and i mean i just i just thought that the message that they were trying to say i felt was quite positive oh we we value the fact that this person has a different way of looking at the world than perhaps other members of this community do um you know so if you're thinking I, i don't know the full extent of this character's disability or whatever but it very much came across like they were trying to say that this person who has some kind of neurodivergence we value that and i was like wow that's a really positive message and i was like i wonder who played this character oh fuck it's prosthetics and it's not a disabled actor i was so disappointed (laughs) because i felt it completely undermined the message that they were trying to say and and also the message that they're trying to put across gets completely in my opinion gets completely lost in the fact that they are creating this quote disabled oracle like they're creating someone to have disabilities in order to gain more for themselves so they're willing to potentially um have someone suffer in certain ways throughout their life i'm not saying that all people with disabilities suffer but potentially there are medical conditions there that make life more difficult 
Um, and so they're willing to do that for their own selfishness. Yeah, and also then to this this person that they've created not to see really as a person, but just to see as an oracle. Just, oh, you, you colour this and we'll interpret it how we want. Well, there was that. There was that, the, the idea that we will take your words and we will take them for what we want to believe them to be rather than listen to what, what you're actually you saying intend. yeah yeah absolutely um and that they are essentially othered in the community so there were both positive and negative which i kind <laughs> things of things here there were some things that were very on the nose about how disabled people are treated and yet um there were obviously this is a huge missed opportunity to actually cast somebody who could embody that role more genuinely yep than who they actually had. And there's no slight on the actor who played them. It's, and, and this film does a lot of things right. Like most of its cast is are Swedish, um, which a lot of films would not do. Um, so they do a lot of things correct. But I just felt this was such a disservice. It was kind of, I wanted, just wanted your opinion. Yeah, no, I like, I agree. It was such a disservice. It, like either leave that section out or consult disabled people. And I know I missed saying this last week, but representation matters. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yes, it does. I meant it last week, even though I didn't say it, and I mean it today. Like, it yes. fucking matters. And people getting Oscars for playing someone who's queer or disabled or transgender, because it's so brave, is actually detrimental to us as a community. Like... Well, when people are not being given those opportunities, yes, then why are we celebrating other people having the courage, perhaps, to play these roles, or the very least, to take up the space? It just, oh, it really yeah. is. It's, that's with this film. That's the one thing for me that was my biggest bugbear. I don't think it added to the story. It to cast like they cast a completely non-disabled person in this role to glorify and also dismiss at the same time disability yeah it was an odd choice i'm not entirely sure why they included it but if they were going to include it they should have either made a bigger deal out of it and they should have cast somebody that would have been more suitable for the role yeah i would actually love to hear ariaster's thoughts on this and i'd love to to see what the the choice was i think also i think we're uh, a lot of the time when we watch films, particularly modern films, we were always hoping that the people will do better and they will cast people that are appropriate for the roles that they are casting. Yes! Okay, so see, on that note, we would love, <laughs> love to hear your opinions on, on all of this film. And So, Soph, we have now your choice for next week. So what film are we going to be watching for next week's episode? So I'm going to choose a film that I actually haven't seen, but it's on my like list of films I'd like to see. And I feel like with some of the conversations we've been having there, that this could be an interesting one to watch because it's where a term that we use nowadays came from, which is the film Gaslight. <gasps> Oh, I'm excited. I haven't seen it before, and it's definitely one that I really want to watch. A very interesting film to follow this film, when this film is so full Mm. of gaslighting. Exactly. I think that's a great choice. So I think that's going to be a good one, and we will uh, 
look forward to you guys joining us next week um so we'll see you then yeah absolutely uh so thank you so much for for listening this time and obviously as always rate review and subscribe and follow along on instagram yep bye Bye. thank you for listening to this week's podcast please remember to rate review and subscribe and you can follow us on instagram at heavenly features pod you can also email us at heavenly features pod at gmail.com and you can also find us at 18maidenlane.com Thanks for listening. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions.